You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, good morning. Can I try that again? Are you with me? Good morning. Awesome. Well, a very special warm welcome uh, if you are new or newish among us. Uh, just great to have you here. And um, we are so grateful for all of you that engaged in the time of prayer and fasting that we uh, undertook last week. We have found it to be an unparalleled key to breakthrough, praying and fasting. And uh, we're going to keep doing it. I want to say a big thank you to all of you that got involved, engaged, prayed, fasted. And uh, I want to want you to know that if you need a spiritual breakthrough in your life, nothing shifts things like prayer and fasting. Not, not, not in my estimation, certainly in my experience, there's something incredibly powerful. And so uh, thank you for the level of engagement. I had some sweet times and powerful times of prayer. Well, last week, as Jonathan's already uh, alluded to, we began a brand new series, Seek First His Kingdom. I wonder if we can say that together. Seek First His Kingdom. Of course, this is the headline statement from Matthew chapter 6. Uh, verse 33, where Jesus says, but rather, rather than running after all the things that the pagans or the unbelievers or the non-followers run after, but rather, because your father, by the way, he knows what you need. He said, but rather seek his, that's the father's kingdom. Seek the father's kingdom and his righteousness. And oh, by the way, all these things that you could have chased after, they'll be added to you as well. But this is a priority. I, I want to suggest to us today that this is a massive idea in the Scriptures. This is a massive idea in the Gospels. Jesus here uh, is in the Sermon on the Mount, captured in, uh, recorded in Matthew 5 to 7. Three chapters of teaching. It's right at the start of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus is, is bringing really His manifesto, if you like. He's, he's bringing a new take on how to live, on what on what God is like and, and how we should approach God and how we should live. And he's saying radical things like love your enemies and, uh, and all manner of, and blessed are the, uh, are the peacemakers. And there's all manner of things about prayer and fasting and, and how we should treat substance. And, and right in the middle of it, there's like this jewel in the crown of a statement, which in some ways encapsulates everything else, which is, but seek first the kingdom of God. Can we all say first? You know, he, he brings it on the back of, uh, of a, an immediate context that Esther laid out for us last week where, where he's, he begins by saying, don't store up treasure here on earth. You know, many of us, we, the, the challenge for us is that that's what we're doing. But, but he said, oh, don't, don't do that, but rather store up treasure in heaven. He's saying, don't develop a, a stingy heart, but a generous heart. Don't, you can't serve God and, and money. Oh, and don't worry about stuff, but rather set your eyes, set your thoughts on the kingdom. Now, I understand that this is, it, it's a big idea, but also it needs a little bit of unpacking. Last week, Esther took us through the, the, the this or that. They're saying, actually, Jesus presents this to us as binary. He doesn't say, store up treasure on earth. Oh, and by the way, don't forget him. He says, you can't do both. He, she really, she was saying, it's this or that. And, I, and we did a little game of this or that. Who, who remembers? Who, I mean, I know some people have got in touch this week and said, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm crisps. It's like, like yeah, okay. I, I found myself in, 
in the majority camp on most things except for tea versus coffee. And I, I know I must be a weirdo because I know the, the majority of you love tea. I, I just don't get tea. Like, I, and I, I mean, it's disgusting. Like, I, I, like I, and this is the thing because I know you all love tea. It's like, what's better than a lovely cup of tea? My wife is, a, is an avid tea drinker. And so there are times in the day where she said, oh, what a lovely cup of tea, particularly if it comes with cake. It's like, it's actually, it makes the tea better. Um, and every year, because from the age of 10 when I first tried it, I found it foul. And, and every year, I, like, I try again because I think it must be me. Something must have changed. Maybe, maybe this year, I'll get it. And every year so far, I still find it foul. So I'm just... I'm just, I know I'm the weirdo, but just say, don't offer me a cup of tea, all right? It's, it's, not, um, it's not for me. But Jesus here, he's saying, really, we've got some big choices to make, some big decisions to make. How are we going to live our lives? How are we going to orientate our lives? And he's saying, go first of all things after God. Go after the kingdom and go after his righteousness. And this is such an important thing for us. And, and over the next few weeks, we're, we're going to try and be, uh, be helping us to understand what does it mean to seek first his kingdom. You see what happens here? Jesus says this thing, and then, and then through the rest of his ministry, he's teaching about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. The kingdom of God, it's like this. Oh, the kingdom of God, it's, it's like that. Uh, and he's unpacking the kingdom 121 times in the Gospels. The kingdom is, uh, is referenced. Three times the church, 121 times the kingdom. It's Jesus' big message, and he's unpacking the kingdom. Often in parables, he's talking about the kingdom. He's teaching about the kingdom. And, and what he's doing, he's helping us understand what this means. In a way, he's unpacking what this statement looks like. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to turn to the parables in particular. And we're going to look at some of the parables. Each week, take a parable. And we're going to look at, at actually what is Jesus saying about the kingdom so that we might understand what it means to seek first the kingdom. And today, I, I want to begin by trying to help us understand that if we're going to seek first his kingdom, it will require us beginning with a kingdom mindset. It will, it will require, if we don't have a kingdom mindset, if we, if we don't see things as Jesus is presenting them, if we don't look through that lens, we're going to struggle to seek first the kingdom. We have to get our mindset right. And a lot of Jesus' teaching in the scriptures, he's helping people see things differently. You see, I, I, some of you will have grown up in, in church and you, you've grown up really with a, a paradigm. A paradigm is like a lens through which we see the world. We all have a paradigm. We, our, our culture, our upbringing, our, our parentage, maybe our personality, it, it creates a way that we see the world. We're not aware of it. Like, a, a, like I, I'm wearing glasses, but I, uh, now I've drawn attention to them, I'm aware, but, it, but most of the time... I, I put them on in the morning, and then I'm not aware that I've got them on. I'm looking at you through a lens. But, but I'm not aware I'm looking at you through a lens. If I take them off, I realize I can't see you anymore. But, I, I need a, but we have a lens. We have an inter a lens over our mind, a lens over our hearts, over our spirit. And, and some of us, we, we grew up with a Christian paradigm, and, and, our, and our lens is, is maybe better aligned to the Scriptures you see, I, I didn't. I didn't grow up. So, so I, I, I was looking through a, a lens. I had a certain lens. And then at the age of 17, I got saved. 
and I, and I was presented with the gospel. And, it was, and I saw it to be glorious, and I, and I put it on. But now what's happening? Like I'm, I, I, and so this is what happens is the Holy Spirit has to help us to remove the, the, the first lens to actually see properly. And some of us, we're, we're carrying a, a worldly lens. We're, we're seeing things the world sees. And so it's going to be hard for us to seek first the kingdom. And so today we're going to turn to one of the parables in the hope that it might help us to capture a little bit of what Jesus is saying about the kingdom, that we might develop a kingdom mindset. We might have a kingdom mindset. Because if we have a kingdom mindset, I believe we can seek first his kingdom. So come with me, if you have a Bible, to Luke chapter 11. Uh, sorry, chapter 19, uh, forgive me, verse, verse 11 to 27. This is what the Bible says. This is the parable of the miners, by the way, sometimes called the parable of the pounds. Uh, Luke 19, while they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. Let me just pause here. Jesus is one week away from the cross when he tells this parable. The very next thing that happens in Luke is the triumphal entry. And, and they're going to see the crowd shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're believing that redemption is going to come uh, to Israel, uh, being freed from Roman occupation through the coming Messiah, Jesus. And Jesus is saying to them that this is not what's going to happen. This is not a political thing. This is something different. Let me help you understand what is going on. So he says to them this, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 miners. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him and said, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and he returned home. And then he sent for the servants to whom he'd given the money in order to find out what they gained from it. The first one came and said, sir, your miner has earned 10 more. Well done, my good servant, the master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of 10 cities. The second came and said, so your miner has earned five more. His master said, take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, sir, here is your miner. I, I kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take out what you did not put in. You reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could at least have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take this miner away from him and give it to the one who has 10 miners. Sir, they said, he already has 10. He replied, I tell you. That to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. This is a demanding parable. <laughs> the scope of this message will not allow me to unpack all things here. But let me clarify a few things that may seem obvious to some of you, but may be helpful to others. Firstly, often in Jesus' parables, there's a, there's a landowner or a master or, or a king. This is Jesus. Or a farmer. So this, this, is, this is, represents God or Jesus. Jesus is the, the man of noble birth. He came from heaven 
to earth. He, he's a man of noble birth. Uh, and what he says, this, this king uh, was about to, to go away to be appointed king and then return. And this is what happens. You see, can you imagine two months from this parable, Jesus has not only been to the cross, he's risen from the dead. He has appeared to them many times and he has ascended in bodily form up into heaven. And they're gathered in the upper room, they're praying. And I can only imagine they're also talking. Do you remember when he said, do you remember when he said? And someone's going to remember, do you remember that parable just before we came into Jerusalem? He said, oh, there was a man of noble birth. He was going home to be appointed king. Also, in, in the story here, there are servants. Th these are the disciples. And there are subjects, or, or another rendition would be citizens. So the servants, are, these are the disciples. They, this is the, the ones that were with him, and they represent us. And something that Jesus had is entrusted to them. The king entrusts them with his wealth and his business while he goes off. They're not the citizens. There are citizens who do not want him to be made king. And, and Jesus says this in the parable. He says, but however, he was made king. Of course, th there were those in Israel who did not want him to be exalted, but he was exalted nonetheless. The Bible tells us he's been given the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess, that there is a name written on him called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then he comes, and he comes back, and, and he, he deposits something with the disciples. He entrusts some things to him, and he says to them, put to work what I have left with you. And then he leaves them, and he's not with them, but then he comes back at the end in a, in a similar parable, but not the same parable, the parable of the talents found in Matthew. It says, after a long time, he returned. But when he comes, he comes to find out what they did. And there are those who, who did well with what was entrusted to them. And he, he gives them much more, incomparably more, actually. We'll look at that in a moment. But to the one who did nothing, he says, take away from him what was entrusted to him and give it to somebody else. And, and it said he suffered loss. And then the citizens finally are, are brought in and told to be killed. Jesus is saying here, the kingdom's not about to come in Jerusalem. The, the, the kingdom is uh, of a different type, of a different category. And the disciples, I can only imagine the upper room, of going, oh, what, what has he entrusted to us? We must put it to work. And the primary thing he has entrusted to them is the gospel. It's the message of the kingdom. But it's also their lives. It's their time. It's their, it's their approach to life. Are, are, are they going to give themselves for this cause? Are they going to find when he comes that they have put to good work what was entrusted to them? And I'd like to bring out three ideas from this parable. Firstly, to have a kingdom mindset, I will believe that I am in training for reigning. That I'm in training for reigning. My kids laugh at me because I, I've told this story so many times that they could tell it for, for me. But my proudest moment as a kid happened when I was 10. You see, I, I played part of a football team. I was very privileged to be part of a football team that was an incredible team. I was by no means the best player, but I was in a cohort of amazing players. In the county where I grew up, Cheshire, uh, we won the Cheshire League and we won the Cheshire Cup both seasons. And I played in two seasons. And I can remember training. I can remember training nights in, in January, in February, 
sideways rain lashing down, hail on, on your little thighs. I, I can remember the drills, the like running, push-ups in the snow, playing, pl- playing games against one another. But I want to tell you that the, the training games were not the games. We, we did the training because we wanted to play the games. And in my, my first season, uh, we got to the cup final, the Cheshire Cup final against Alderley Edge on their home ground. 200 people had gathered, mainly parents and friends around the perimeter. And I was a substitute, but I came on at half time. And so about 10 minutes into the second half, a miracle happened, exactly as I'd imagined it in my mind's eye. I'm on the edge of the box. And those of you that love football, I don't know, the ball came in, somebody headed it, and it bounced right in my favor. And I remember swinging a left boot, I'm left-footed, swinging a left boot, and it made a glorious connection. And an incredible slow-motion moment, it flew right into the top corner. I kid you not. And the place went wild. Yes! Woo! And and literally, like, there were a hundred people supporting Holmes Chapel, and they started chanting my name. I was 10. I was in the local paper. I became a hero. We lifted the trophy. But, but I want to tell you, the training nights, were they weren't the game. And the problem is that many of us as Christians, we're living this life as if this was it. And this isn't it. And, and what happens is when Jesus comes back and, uh, and he says, oh, you have 10 cities, five cities. And the mind boggles, what, what's going on here? This, it, was, it was like a test. There's something way greater, way more glorious, way better. I want to tell you this life is but a breath. It is a breath to Timothy 2, 11 to 12. says this, if we died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. We're going to reign with him. This is the invitation. If we endure, we'll reign with him. And let me be really clear. I'm not preaching salvation by works here. You see, the, the servant who just had the one minor, he, he, he's not among the citizens that are killed. And this is how 1 Corinthians 3 puts it. By the grace God has given me, Paul writes, I've laid a foundation as a wise or expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than one already laid, which is Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day, capital D, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. If the fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Catch this. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. Can we all say reward? But if the builder, if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. Go ahead, read it. Suffer loss. But yet be saved. But as one escaping through the flames. My friends, as the pastor of this house, I don't want anyone getting burned on the way in. Suffering loss. Oh, making it because it's only by Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. 
that it's only the blood of Jesus that gets us into heaven. But there is something else happening in this life. And many of us, I think we, 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 we think that, I don't know what you think heaven's going to be like. And many people, we, we just think it's going to be one eternal worship service with, with billions of people. And given that, you know, we're, we're not equal with Elijah and Moses, we'll be quite near the back and not a very good view. Well, the Bible says there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus is saying here to the, the faithful ones, he, he said, oh, rule over cities. The, the, now, I, you're looking frightened at me now. I... I I don't know exactly what heaven's going to be like. But I know the Bible tells me I'm training for reigning. C.T. Studd put it like this, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Can you imagine? Do you consider the return here? You know, the, the, the second servant, he's given one minor. It's, it's three months wages. It's, let's call it 6,000 pounds. And, and he gets a return of 30,000 pounds. That's pretty good, right? I mean, I don't know how long the period of time was, but, but there's a return. Imagine you get 6,000 pounds, you get 30. And, and then, the, then the master comes back. He, what, what do you think he would normally do? What would be normal? Well, maybe he'd say, well, wow, well done. I'd, I'd like to give you 60,000 pounds to steward. Or I'd like to give you a team of five people who are all going to have 6,000 pounds. But he's only going to put you over five cities. You can have... London, Birmingham, Coventry, Manchester, and Newcastle. Like, who knows? That, that's, like, that's like getting your boss's, 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 boss's job. The, the, this life is but a breath. You might say, I don't want to be over five cities. But what if there were heavenly cities with, with, with no crime and no sickness and no death and no pain and no injustice? And filled with joy and love and the presence and the glory of Christ. I tell you, running a city is going to be a very different ball game in eternity. But many of us, we think this is it. This, this isn't it. And, and I need this mindset that I'm in training for reigning. Or, or I'll never seek first the kingdom. Secondly, uh, uh, to have a kingdom mindset, I, I, I need to believe that I'm a steward, not an owner. When I say steward, I, I, I don't mean an usher that, that helps us get in our seats. And th can we say thank God, thank the Lord, and, and thank you to our stewards, that our ushers here. Thank you. Done an amazing job getting everyone in today. This is us with the kids out. I'm talking about a trustee, a manager of someone else's goods, a representative. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and they must have thought about it. And I think what Jesus is saying is, what, what are you going to do with your life when I'm gone? Will you use it for kingdom purposes? Because everything you have has actually been given to you. We need a change of mindset. I don't know if you've ever been entrusted with someone else's stuff. If something happens to it, it's always worse than if it's your own stuff. In the house that I, I shared before Esther and I got married, uh, I had three friends, and I, I was the fourth to move in. And when I joined that house, uh, Steve, Lewis, and, and Ian, I, I don't know how this had come about, but there was a fish tank in the house, and there were, they each had a, a goldfish named after themselves. So Steve, Lewis, and Ian were in the tank. <laughs> they, they, also had, they also each had a girlfriend, and their girlfriends had a fish named, I mean, this is weird, isn't it? 
I mean, if any of you guys are joining on light, I, I don't know what it was about. So the six fish, there's the, there's the guys in the house and there's their girlfriends represented by name in the tank. And then they go away for a few days and leave me in charge of the fish tank. Yeah, you, you know where this is heading. <laughs> You're right. I didn't know you could overfeed a fish. Uh, I do now. I was told to put a little pinch each day of fish food in the tank. On the first day, I was leaving the house at 6 a.m. to go to work. I knew I wouldn't be back till about 10 o'clock at night. So I put the pinch in, and I, I thought, it's going to be a long day. I, I gave him another pinch. And I thought, I'm going to treat these fish. And I gave him another nice big pinch. When I came back at 10 o'clock at night, there was a slightly strange smell in the living room. And the first thing I noticed was Steve was, was diagonal. And, and the girls were on the bottom of the of the pond, and so I, I, the, the, and, and I, I tapped the side, and nothing happened. So I got a stick, and I stirred the water, and they all just kind of, they got carried in the current, and there was no life. And I realized I was a mass murderer. <laughs> How do you tell your three friends and their girlfriends? It, it's a story for another day what happened next. But I, let me say this. They forgave me in the end. Jesus is speaking about the kingdom, and he's telling us that when he comes again, he's going to examine whether we put to work what was entrusted. The Greek word that we, we get here, pragmatusaf, is to put to work, do business, use it, work it. I'm giving you this minor, now put it to work, do something with it. And they, actually, it, he, we get this translation until, and the, the Greek word at enho doesn't really mean until, it, it literally means in which. Jesus literally is saying, um, put it to work in which I am coming again. And there are commentators say, really what they think Jesus is saying, use this in my name. Trade it as I would have traded. In other words, use what is entrusted to you for kingdom purpose. For kingdom purpose. Will we use what has been entrusted to us for kingdom purpose? He gives them complete freedom how to use it before he returns. And, and, and they're trading in the kingdom. That They're trading the, these miners in the presence, in the name of the king, in the presence of those who are hostile against the king. And some of you, you're, you're living life in a hostile environment trying to trade for the king. I want to tell you, the king is coming again. It's no different to the parable. And it's no different to the, the early disciples as they started to trade kingdom business in the middle of hostility. And if I understand this right, I, I have to begin to view everything I, I have, in inverted commas, as not truly mine, but his in my hands, and put it to work for his glory. I, I've come to believe this, that it's not truly my time, even, it's, it's the time he has given to me. It's not truly my money, it's wealth that he has put into my hands. That, that my, my life, my, my, if I have gifts that I can contribute to the body of Christ, that, 
they're not really my gifts to choose to do with what I want. They're, they're gifts he has bestowed on me. And, I, and I'm a steward. of this. And he's going to come and see what I did with these things. The, the gospel. Uh, thank God for the gospel of Jesus. And it's given to me. And I thank God for it. But it's not given to me just for me. It's entrusted to me also to, to share with others as it was shared to me. And I'm a steward of the gospel. That's why Paul can write to, to the church in Rome uh, and say, I am indebted, I have a debt to you with this gospel. It's burning in me. I can't keep it to myself. I'm stewarding this message. When the Lord called us here to Coventry 11 years ago, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I feel I can say it now. I didn't want to come. I, I didn't want to come. And I didn't want to come because... Where we were, my, my family was there. My friends were there. I, I had done 20 years with people. Esther and I got married at the same time as our friends. We, we had kids at the same time. We had grown together. My roots had gone deep. I'd poured 20 years of my life into a church. I'd prayed through the night. I'd, I'd sown myself into a ministry. I, I don't want to be pulled out of that ministry and relocated. And I can say it because uh, if the Lord... If the Lord called us away from here, I would feel the same way now. It would break my heart. But I, I want you to understand this, that because the Lord made it clear we should come, the decision, although it was painful, it wasn't difficult. Do you hear me? It, why? Because I don't consider my life as my own. He can send me where he wants to send me. My life is not my own. And I think we have to have this mindset. It's really interesting, this idea of, of, of how Jesus comes and returns, or the, the king in the parable, it says, in order to find out what they have gained with it, gained with it. Now, the Greek word, it's a long word, dipragmatu santo, which, which only appears once in the New Testament. And Kenneth Bailey, in his amazing book, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes, says this is really interesting because the, the, the Western capitalist cultures tend to translate this as gained from it. Did you, what profit did you make? Whereas the, the Coptic and the Arabic translators, they, they translate it differently. Because so really what it means is, is how much business was transacted. Not, not, not what results did you... Now, I, I know in the, there is a return... The, the, there's five and there's ten. But, I, but he's saying, really, Jesus is saying, I'm going to come back and see, did you put to work what I entrusted to you? Not, not so much, what results did you get? Did you use it? And I think this is really powerful because if you consider the missionary who, who goes into a difficult, hostile environment and pours their whole life and sees three people saved, that how much kingdom business have they transacted? They've transacted a whole life of kingdom business. And that's what Jesus is looking for, not how many people got saved through your ministry or through your life. Did you use what you had for kingdom business? Mother Teresa said, I'm not called to be successful, I'm called to be faithful. What does it mean for me? Well, I have to recognize that what I have has been entrusted to me. It's not, it's not actually mine if I understand it right. Will I give the time he entrusted to me for kingdom endeavor? Will I, will I use the talents that he entrusted to me? Will I sow generously that the money is put in my hands for the kingdom cause? 
for many years uh, alongside being in, quote, full-time church ministry. I ran a small property management business to supplement our income. And I, I, I managed houses for a friend of mine called Matt. And, and Matt had a number of properties. And he was incredibly trusting. So we, we were, he, he's a Christian. He, he knew me well. We were friends before I did this. And he made me a signatory on his bank account. And he gave me the code to his bank account. So there was him, there was his wife, and there was me. And I could write any check out of his checkbook, and I, and I could make any transaction out of his bank account. And really, he was totally hands-off. He didn't want to know anything about what was happening with these houses. But, but every month, I, I sent a, a report to him of, of what I'd spent and why I'd spent it. But, but here's the thing. Even though I could use it however I wanted, I, I knew it was not mine. And actually, I was, I was thinking, what would Matt want me to do here? And this is how we have to view our, our lives that God has given to us. Will we make available what we have? Will we bring our gifts into play? If, if we play an instrument, will we, will we make it available for his glory? As we prepare in a few weeks for Vision Sunday, will, will we come and say, oh, I, I don't really want to give much. Will we say, Lord, what do you want me to do with what you've entrusted to me? As we respond next week and, 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 and sign up for multiplication, will we say, Lord, here I am available this week in the places where God has put us? Will, will we put to work the gospel for his glory if we have the opportunity? I believe if we have this mindset that we're stewards, not owners, then we, we have got a fighting chance of seeking first the kingdom. But if we don't have this mindset, it's going to be very hard. It's going to be a wrestle all the way. And we're probably going to struggle to really seek first. And lastly, to have a, if I have a kingdom mindset, I will be conscious that I am preparing for Christ's return. Won't the band come and, and join in me? Um, nothing sharpens us right like accountability. Uh, some young people in the room have either recently done exams or you're, you're going to have exams. And, and, and who knows that, that if you didn't have an exam you probably wouldn't work as hard as you're going to work. And those of you that are not working very hard, as the exam comes into view, suddenly you'll pull your finger out. Why? Because there's an assessment. One of the most striking things about this remarkable parable is that there's an assessment. That he, he comes back. And in fact, he says, he, he comes back, he says, because I, I, he called the servants to him to find out. Can we all say find out? He, he says he called the service to find out how much business had been transacted. Let me tell you, he's going to find out. He's going to find out. He wants to find out. And we're going to be found out. I know this isn't an easy message, David. This is Jesus' message. That there's going to be an accountability. There's going to be a reckoning. An exam's not there to, to fail you. It's to prove you. It's to prove you. If you do, if you, if you do medicine, you, you, you do an exam in order that you might practice. It's proving you. You say, I know enough to do this. It's there to prove you. And we're going to be proved. A few years ago, I went to the Godiva Festival at War Memorial. And, and, and as I went in, there was like this security gates. And, and it was like every five people were getting stopped and the rest went in. It was like a random stop of search. I'm telling you, it's not going to be like that. It won't be like that. You know, Jonathan gets stopped and you sneak in behind him.
2 Corinthians 5, verse 10 says this, for we must all, can we say must all? We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may, and here it is again, receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Here it is again. We're going to make it in by, by the grace and the blood of Jesus. But we all, we all, each one of us, Many of you, I know, you're, you're balancing life. You're juggling life. There's, there's kids. There's relationships. There's bills to pay. There's marketplace jobs. And how do you reconcile all of this? I think it's having that heart of saying, Lord, I, I'm not, I don't see myself as working for my boss. You're my boss. I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve this lady or this man here. I'm going to honor you in this place, but my times are in your hands. I'm going to honor you here because you're the one I'm working for. Let me tell you, Christ is coming again. Let me say it again, Christ is coming again. Titus calls it our blessed hope. 23 out of 27 books of the New Testament refer to the return of Christ. And when he comes, we'll see him. And when we see him, we shall be like him. When he asks, how did you do? How did you do? What will we be able to say? And I'm preaching this message today because I, I don't want any of us on that day, I don't want any of us on that day to say, oh, well, 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 well I, 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 went, I went to church quite a bit. Oh, I, and I, I watched quite a few sermons on YouTube. And him say, did, did you love my people? Did you serve my people? And, and find ourselves saying, oh, not really, sir. And we say, oh, but, but did you pray? Did you pray for my people? Like I told you to, did you pray? Oh, I, I, did, I, I think my church had some intercessors. I, and we said, did, did you share this gospel with those around you? I, I was afraid, Lord, that they'd think I was sinning. Uh, that, oh, but... What about the gifts I gave you? Did, you? did you use them for my glory? Sorry, sir. Did, did you, what about the poor and the needy? Did, did you live with compassion? I think my church had a food bank, sir. I want any of us to say that. But that we could say, sir. I poured myself out, sir, as best as I could, sir. I did my best with what you'd entrusted to me. I think I did. I, I tried to. I viewed what I had, not as mine, but as yours. I, I tried to speak up and share the gospel as best as I could. And I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't have made it without the Holy Spirit. But I did my best, sir, with what you put in my hands. Because I want him to look into your face and say, well done. Welcome home. And on that day, if he says that to you, then may we say what he taught us to say, I am an unworthy servant. I've only done my duty. My friends, this is the gospel. It's a high call. But we need this mindset. 
Because if we don't have this mindset, we'll struggle to seek first his kingdom. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you've entrusted to us. considered ourselves owners and not stewards. Forgive us where we've we've lived as if this was it and forgotten that we're in training for reigning. Holy Spirit, would you help us? I pray would you help us in our mindset. Would you help us to glory to you with our lives would you help us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness Lord I pray for my brothers and my sisters today I thank you Lord that your message is not a message of condemnation but a message of inspiration that calls us higher Holy Spirit do a work in our hearts for your glory where we find ourselves yielded I know this is a it's a sober moment and a sober message, but as we finish our service today, we're we're gonna finish considering eternity with him. This is our blessed hope that we'll reign with him, that we'll be with him, that there is an eternity with him. That if we if we give our lives to serve him, 